This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Connie Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Lali Arikoglu. Hello. With many of us working from home these past few months, turning our dining tables into desks for an indeterminate amount of time, it's been easy to consider a change of scenery. Some countries are actually making it easier to do just that with Barbados and Bermuda, both introducing visas that let travelers live and work remotely there for a full year. Now, we know it's not as easy as just packing up and hitting the road, so we've brought two digital nomads on the podcast this week to tell us how they've been making it work. Usually in Ghana, but calling in from New York is Sheree Robinson, founder and CEO of Tastemakers Africa. Thank you so much for joining us, Sheree. Thank you. And from her new home in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, Annette Richmond, founder of the Fat Girls Traveling Instagram account. And now that this is your second time, uh, women who travel regular. Right? Thank you so much for having me again. I'm excited. So to kick things off, as Meredith mentioned, lots of people, especially now, are entertaining the idea of moving abroad or working remotely and living the life of a digital nomad. When did both of you know it was the right time to move back when you first started dipping your toes into traveling and working remotely? So I sort of knew that first it would start with like getting a job that would have me traveling all over the place. So prior to launching my own company, I worked for the World Bank and actually lived in Mexico City for three years. And when I was living in Mexico City, I was traveling 70% of the time. So I was living on a research farm, maybe 40 minutes out of the city, and I was just everywhere. And I tried to get like a quote unquote regular job when I moved back to the States and failed miserably. Like I tell people all the time, I became very unemployable because I just could not just be sitting at a desk all the time. Like it just wasn't gonna work. And shortly after having that epiphany, I started Tastemakers and wanted to be able to sort of recruit from all over the world. Um, I didn't want limits on the kind of people that could help me bring this vision to life. And so that meant me being really flexible and sort of living all over Africa and also building flexibility for the people on my team to do so as well. So this has pretty much been my entire career. Um, whether I did it as an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur, this was a, a life requirement. And Annette, last time we spoke to you, from what I recall, you were in Bali. So clearly you've been hopping around. What was your path like? 
Well, it's actually the opposite of Sheree. I started um, a remote job as a fashion stylist. And so I was working remotely for probably a year and a half before I decided to become a digital nomad. And so I was just based in the Bay Area where uh, the company was based. And I would go, you know, maybe visit my best friend in L.A., you know, and that it was flexible because it was a remote job. I wasn't necessarily taking full advantage of being able to travel internationally or domestically with that position for about two years, maybe two and a half years into the position. And then after I became an official digital nomad, I ended up leaving that position because I just didn't have enough time to balance that remote job with like building my brand and freelancing as a writer. And so the work that I ended up doing and the work that I continue to do as a writer is kind of what took me away from that remote position. But getting that remote position is what inspired me to become a digital nomad. You know, I think a lot of people are trying to figure out if it's the right decision for them. And I think right now, you know, previously those, like you guys are both saying, like you had to pick a job that let you be more flexible, that let you really explore while you were also still working. And I think now that people's regular day jobs are giving them the flexibility to live elsewhere for a couple months or make that change more permanent. It seems like it's open to the doors to a lot of people to be able to make that choice for themselves. And I want to know what questions you guys asked yourselves before you jumped into making this decision. I know you were saying it was kind of a lifetime thing, Sheree, but are there any things that you considered about whether or not it was a good idea for you in the beginning? So I'll sort of answer this less from in the beginning, um, because that was just kind of a knowing. I was that like glued to the travel channel kid. So like whatever I did was going to have to like allow that. But I think more specifically to COVID, I had a decision to make on whether I would stay in New York or whether I because I couldn't go back to Ghana because the borders were closed before I could get out. And so I made this decision to go to Southwest Florida And then I made the decision like to just like not have an actual home and sort of bop around until the borders of the countries I want to go back to are open. And I think for me, the biggest question was around what would my son's life look like? Um, Because I have a 12 year old. And so it's not like when he was three and four, when I would literally just like get up and book it and it just did not matter. Now I had to think about like, how am I going to educate my son properly. But because of COVID and I've had to like figure it out anyway, it almost like eliminated the school barrier that had kind of been the one thing that made me feel like I needed to stay in one place. Because I think living abroad is different than being a digital nomad. Like they're actually also not the same thing, at least in my mind. And so I made the decision to be like a no permanent address sort of person only when I felt comfortable with the idea that I could begin to figure out school for a now seventh grader. Annette, I feel like your recent life change has been kind of the opposite, which is that you were traveling a ton and then now you have a permanent address. Yeah. So for the past 
four years, I've been a digital nomad and I definitely agree with Sheree. The thing that makes my lifestyle a digital nomad lifestyle versus living abroad is the fact that all of my work positions are online. And so all of my income is made digitally. And so I can technically move wherever I want while working digitally, while other people might have like a U.S.-based company that allows them to work internationally or allows them to work from abroad. That's a little bit different than being a digital nomad. And for me, I never even really thought that this travel lifestyle was something that I could have. Like, I grew up in a single-parent home. I had a nine-to-five job for probably over a decade before I started getting into this travel space. And so for me, um, I would say the most important question for anyone who is thinking about either working from abroad or being a digital nomad is kind of like, what's your work style? Do you require a lot of structure in your workday? Do you require lots of scheduling for your lifestyle? Uh, because generally, um, you have to be really good with scheduling when you're abroad. Um, time changes, time zone differences, all of those kind of things can slip through your fingers. Opportunities can slip through your hands because you missed a deadline because you're in a different time zone. Um, and so you need to actually make sure that you're the person that can still deliver on deadlines, even if you're hundreds of miles away. Some people can only get motivated to work when they're in an office. And I definitely think that this COVID thing has been allowing people to learn that lesson or to see strength in the fact that, hey, regardless of where I am, I'm learning that I can, you know, be prompt, be professional. I can be in my sweatpants and still write a really killer professional email, or I can be wearing sweatpants on the bottom and a button-up shirt on top and doing a Zoom interview and be very professional. So for some people, this digital thing is very possible. For other people, they might need a little more structure they um, might just work a different way and having something that's so open and loosey-goosey might not be conducive to their work style. Maybe it's conducive to their lifestyle, but if you're not able to meet those deadlines, you know what I mean? It's going to be a hard sell for your boss. I keep thinking about what it would be like to maybe take Barbados up on the visa offer and I'm like, I would... I have to figure out how to have cover-ups like left and right so I can throw them on over my bathing suit for meetings. I don't know. I think a tropical background sounds pretty good for, for Zoom. Um, both of you clarified that there is a difference between living abroad and being a digital nomad. And, you know, it sounds like you very consciously chose to be the latter. Why? What What, what is it about the life of a digital nomad that is so much more appealing than living abroad, but essentially being in one place? For me, I personally thrive on being able to create my own schedule, being able to kind of like stack the earlier part of my week with meetings and work and deadlines, and then maybe towards the middle or end of the week, being able to do a day trip or go to the pool or go to the beach, doing things that I can kind of like work on my mental health or, you know, just work on myself a little bit. And so I've really been able to create a flow and a rhythm in my life that kind of allows me to learn more about myself, learn more about the world, but also be able to create 
you know, content, create, you know, written articles and all of those different things that will, you know, educate people, help other people get inspired to travel, encourage other people to travel when we can, when <laughs> when COVID's not preventing us. And so, yeah, this whole thing has kind of just led me into the lifestyle that, unlike Sheree, I never knew that I could have this type of lifestyle. And it's kind of something that I've just created for myself slowly, you know, by saying yes to this or saying no to that, you know? I think from my side, it just came down to like motivation. Um, The first time I actually lived abroad was when I went to Mexico. I remember feeling like being away from everything that was comfortable to me was like liberating in ways that I hadn't counted on. And I realized there was so much of what I would do on a day-to-day basis that wasn't about me sort of really reaching inward and sort of identifying like what makes me tick and what what moves me, what inspires me. I was very much sort of doing the things I had been doing and moving to a place where I didn't speak the language and didn't know anything about it. Like I didn't know anything about Mexico City because this was like six years ago before it was a thing. So I think that was sort of the, the start of me thinking that. And then I realized that I generally like the challenge of like getting myself sorted in a new place. Less logistics and more like understanding the vibe. Like I like that in almost, I don't know, probably 40 cities, I probably like would put my recommendations for food and drinks and things to do and places to party. Like I would bet them, like I would bet stuff on them. And like I pride myself on being that person. And so I think part of it is also like Knowing that like living in a place is one thing, but visiting for two weeks is also not enough. And I like to know a lot of places. And so I think some of those things sort of speak to the fact that like, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, so and I have a team. So I don't get to lay on the beach on Friday, mostly because there's like someone in Slack pinging me. So Monday through Friday, I still have like a team to run and a company to run. But I can do that anywhere, anyhow. and, And that for me, it's just like what fills me up, honestly. And if you are watching this video, either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation. She said, oh my God, I can hear gunshots. I can hear men outside. Where are they? What have they done to them? Are they dead? Are they not dead? There is one suspect, her father, the Sheikh. It's Madeline Barron from In the Dark. We've teamed up with our new colleague, Heidi Blake at The New Yorker, to try to answer a question about one of the richest men in the world, the ruler of Dubai. Why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? There is five policemen outside and two policewomen inside the house. So basically I'm a hostage. And he reminded me that Sheikh Mohammed can get me anywhere. Because you're a rich and powerful person, you can effectively break any law you want in our country and get away with it. The Runaway Princesses is available now. Follow In the Dark wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots, which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far-off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability 
that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tyres, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium, Apple Card, or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So, you know, you were saying that the logistics isn't necessarily your favorite part, Sheree, but I feel like that's such a huge part of someone making this decision for the first time to kind of let go of necessarily having an address or having one for more than, you know, three months at a time. And I think that can seem really daunting to people. How hard and equally how expensive can making this lifestyle change turn out to be? I think it depends where you go. Like if you're trying a digital nomad in Africa, like you better have your coins stacked because you're not getting an apartment in Ghana without like paying a lease for an entire year. Um, like that's not a thing um, in most places, maybe with the exception of South Africa. So I think where you go is very, very important. Like moving to Mexico is a lot different. There are a ton of people that'll do a two month lease or a three month lease, especially in places like Playa where Annette lives. Like one of my really good friends, Claire lives in Playa and she loves it because she's like in and out of Playa all the time. She's like sending me a WhatsApp every day of apartments to try to get me to move to Playa. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it really depends on where, to, where you're trying to go. I think the other thing is like how you're looking at money, right? And so if you're in a space where, like for me, one of my drivers is like, I want to buy a house by 40. Like that's a thing. So I have like a few years ahead of me before I can do that. And so now I'm thinking, yes, I want to be abroad because it's cheaper, but it's really easy to spend a lot of money, especially when you're not spending it in your currency. And because your like basic needs are usually cheaper than they are in America. I don't know. I find that I turn into like mini baller mode if I'm in like a country, like I'm like popping bottles for no reason. And it's like, (laughs) you're not doing that at home, but it's like, how many pesos is it? I don't care. And so I, I find that I have to like reel myself in a bit in this digital nomad life, because what seems like a little bit of money here and there, like really adds up, especially when you're like outside of the matrix, I'll call it. So I think it's not as expensive as people think, but you do have to, in my opinion, be really financially diligent so that if you do have long-term financial goals, you're sort of balancing sort of being wherever you want to be and maybe creating sort of wealth generating longer term investments um, elsewhere. I feel like scheduling and budgeting seem like the two top tips to take away from this conversation. Annette, how did the logistics work for you? 
I would definitely agree with what Sheree said. Also, just from my perspective as a fat traveler, an experience that I can share from recently, like traveling through Southeast Asia and Asia, just, you know, towards the end of last year, I went from the U.S. to India and, and so I was planning to be in Asia for like six to eight months. And so as a fat traveler, I basically travel with all of the clothes that I'll ever need because in Asia and generally abroad, it can be very difficult to get clothing in my size. Um, so I traveled to India, bought some stuff in India, like fabric, sari, all of that kind of stuff. Um, after a couple weeks in India, went to Malaysia for a month. And my flight, on my flight from India to Malaysia, my luggage was an additional $200 because in the U.S. you pay for like per luggage. So you pay whatever 50 U.S. dollars per suitcase. However, in different countries in Asia, it's different. So maybe you'll pay an additional 75 bucks per kilo that's over the 15 kilo maximum. So not only are you paying the like $75, every kilo you go over that, you're paying an additional X amount of dollars. So from India to Malaysia, I paid $200 for my luggage. From Malaysia to Thailand, I paid $150 for my luggage. Um, and so this is an additional fee on top of my flight, on top of my accommodation, all of these things. When I went to Bangkok, I basically did a clothing swap and gave away a luggage full of things so I didn't have to pay any more damn luggage fees. But like, these are unexpected rates, the unexpected fees that come up, you know, when you go to India and you find all the amazing fabric. It's a nightmare. I guess that is the one thing where you aren't living in one place or living in the country you are most familiar with is that there will always be those surprises. Sticking on logistics for a minute, Annette, you moved to Mexico last month. I would be interested to know what your timeline was in terms of making when you decided you were going to make that decision and when you actually got to Mexico? So it was pretty tricky. My plan was never to stay in the U.S. It was one of those situations where I left Asia um, for a job in the U.S. and I had about four months of work in the States. And then I was going to be moving to Bali for a year. I might have even mentioned that the last time we spoke um, because I was tired of being on the road and wanted like a dresser drawer and just like a place of my own. Um, and so that was the plan. And then COVID kind of changed everything and all of my jobs got canceled. And so it became a, a situation of how quickly can I find work and stack money? And then, you know, I think Sheree mentioned, like, what countries are open? Where can I go? And about a month before I left, I was deciding between either Portugal or Mexico because I knew people in both places. Sheree mentioned her friend Claire. I have actually met and hung out with Claire here in Playa. And I do have a couple more friends here in Playa. And so it was kind of between those two places. And then Portugal closed. And then my decision was made. <laughs> um, and so I think I bought my ticket maybe two weeks before I came. And yeah, I was off. Had you figured out an apartment before you got there? Or was that an on the ground, figure it out when you get there kind of thing? So 
you know, social media can be a fantastic tool. I definitely was able to find um, Facebook groups for like retail or real estate um, apartments, condos and stuff in Playa. And what I did was I kind of like saved the places that I liked. I also posted in one of the groups like, hey, this is my budget. This is the area I'm looking in. And this is when I'll arrive. And so through those, I was able to connect with a couple realtors and like pin some of the places that I wanted to check out when I got here. I booked a hotel for a week so that I wouldn't like rush myself finding a place. And then at first I was like, oh, I'm just going to go out here and check out places. And I was on my own, just kind of like walking around Playa, sweating, you know, glistening in the sun. Um, And that was trash. So I decided to uh, find a realtor and basically all of the listings that I wanted to see on my own, she could show me and she could make a commission doing it. And she could also point me to where the nearest grocery store was or where the nearest lavandaria was or you know what I mean? And so it made much more sense to go through a local realtor. She was able to kind of show me where the things were in the area that I was looking. Um, And it just kind of streamlined the process so much more. And now that I have people coming down here or friends, people that I know that are looking for a more long-term stuff, I can refer them to her because she was really helpful with me. So. so I have a question for both of you. Living as a digital nomad just sounds so deeply alluring, but it also sounds like there's sort of a lot of hustle to it. Does it get exhausting? It's super exhausting, especially for me. I think I'm going to be honest. My son is so over me. He's so over <laughs> it. He's like, if we don't just live one place, like, and he's now he's 12. And so he's definitely saying like, mom, really? So like, I have to make a pact with him that like, I'm going to like figure out a place I want to live for at least until he's in high school. Like that's like one of the conversations. And then I think the other part of it is the dating part of it, like, is super difficult, especially as a Black woman. It's just so much. Like, it's like layers on layers on layers of stuff. And so I think between those two things, I know I'll always be a traveler. I'm not convinced I'll always be a digital nomad in the sense that, like, my goal is to, like, make enough money so that I can travel when I want to and, like, do longer-term travel, especially with, like, everything happening I do have this like call for a sort of a home, even if I'm never there. Like, so even if I'm never there, I kind of want a place where my stuff is, that's mine. And I have so much stuff, like I love clothes and shoes. And so there's just a bunch of things that are like not as sexy. When I was like 22, it was great. I didn't care about any of this stuff. I think now in my mid thirties, I'm like, ah, you know, and or you're talking to guys and they're like, so where do you live? And you're just like, Uh, not really anywhere. (laughs) Um, You know, and your kid's like, mom, you know, what is the deal? So I think, um, I mean, he's rolling with it, but there are definitely drawbacks. It's still my life and probably going to be my life for the next 12 to 18 months. But there's definitely a part of me that's like, hmm, where would home base be knowing that it's just a base, knowing I'm never going to just sit in one place forever? For me, I would say one of the biggest struggles is kind of the like 
interpersonal things like the birthdays that you miss or the baby showers of your best friends that you miss or the weddings that you miss being abroad and being, you know, thousands and thousands of hundreds of thousands of miles away. There's lots of, you know, life moments in your friends and family's lives that you're not there for. And sometimes you feel like, did I make the right choice? Or am I being selfish? Like, doing what I want to do for my life, even though I'm feeling disconnected from people whose lives have been a part of mine for so long. And so that is always, you know, one of the battles with um, this lifestyle. It seems very glamorous. You know, it definitely is a hustle. It's also a struggle, you know, specifically emotionally outside of the financial stuff. Like once you can get all that stuff sorted, Sheree also mentioned like, creating relationships and building like lasting bonds that can be really difficult when you are only in a place for 30 days at a time you know what I mean and that's generally how I was moving through Asia because of the visas there you can only stay in the country 30 days before you had to leave and so forming any relationships or dating any of those types of things can be difficult I've been on the road for over four years now. And so, yeah, I've dated casually, but, you know, I am also 35 now and I am thinking about starting a family and settling down and having a home base. And so those are all the things that you have to consider, you know, like I definitely maybe a decade ago was thinking that I wanted this like picket fence with the kids and the dog and the, you know, the cars and all that stuff. And Quickly, that went away when I decided to, like, live this outside-of-the-lines kind of lifestyle. But part of me also is hanging on to that kind of traditional dream of the family and, you know what I mean, the home and all of that stuff. So it's also adjusting your expectations of your life, you know what I mean? And I'm I'm at that age in my mid-30s where it's like, all right, girl, we're, what are we going to do? We going to have a family or not? You know, we got to we got to start making these decisions and living this lifestyle as a digital nomad can be, you know, counterproductive in, in those directions, you know, unless you find someone that's like about it, which is my goal. Like if someone tells me we have to live in the same place forever, then like it's not my person. Like I've just decided that I've left relationships for that very reason. Like, oh, you no, that's not going to work. Hard to find hence being single but (laughs) (laughs) Um, they're out there they're just moving too much (laughs) (laughs) perfect Lolly that's the spirit if anybody touche yeah touche like that (laughs) if anyone would like to set Annette and Sheree up on dates uh, please contact them on Instagram Um, I'm gonna ask one last question uh, before we get to your handle so that people can set you up um which is what is your biggest piece of advice for people who are just now thinking, huh, well, if I don't have to go back to the office, maybe I should hop around. I think mine is just do it, honestly. And that sounds so like cliche, but I think this time in the world to me should have shown most people that we're not in control. We're not in control and we never have been. And so if you're not in control anyway, the thing you can control is yourself. And why not scratch the curiosity? 
why not sort of adjust yourself to everything you've ever imagined? And if the thing you've imagined is living somewhere else and being free in that way, then whether you're married, single, whether you have kids or no kids, there's a way to do it. And there's a way to do it at any budget. And this is the time to lean into it. We don't even know what six months from now looks like. And so I really, really think that throw convention out the window if that's what's holding you back because we are in an unconventional place. So no use of of hoping for a return to what was anyway. Like it's not going to be the same. And so why sit in fear when you can just do it? And and it is it's it sounds simple, but the act of like committing in your head and putting one foot in front of the other is how it ends up happening. I love everything Sheree said and I'm about that life. I also know that we are in the middle of a pandemic and people are overwhelmed with anxiety and doing something so out of the norm might create more stress and anxiety for people. And so I would suggest do it, but maybe in baby steps. And so maybe that looks like doing some house sitting or maybe doing a house swap for a week or two or a month. You know what I mean? Coming up with a way where you, first of all, feel safe, you know. Um, Second of all, if you have an apartment or a home, that's going to be a lot to kind of just give up and go. So creating a opportunity, like maybe a house swap or uh, if you're going to be house sitting for someone else or something like that, creating an opportunity where there's not very much risk but you still get to try out the lifestyle and see if it's something that is inspiring to you and something that you're willing to work into your life because it is a big risk. I don't think that right now people can go nomadic in a traditional way, specifically with so many borders being closed right now due to COVID. And so I definitely think that since we a lot of us are working from home right now because of this. It's a great opportunity to think outside the lines a little bit and look for ways and creative solutions to maybe working from someone else's home instead of yours. And then maybe that goes to working in some other state instead of the one where your home is. And maybe that goes into, you know, moving to a different country when you can leave your country. Um, and so I would say do it, go for it, start as small as you're comfortable with or as large as you're comfortable with, though. You know what I mean? Because we are in a highly stressful time and adding more stress and anxiety to yourself right now is not advisable. It's not advisable at all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If people want to keep up with what each of you are doing, um, where you are in the world, where can they find you on the Internet? So you can find me on my personal Instagram or Twitter at Sassy Ray. It's S-A-S-Y-R-A-E. You can also find me at Tastemakers Africa on Twitter and Instagram. And that's T-S-T-M-K-R-S Africa altogether. Um, I'm in both places all the time. I like the internet. (laughs) And Annette, how about you? My personal profile is from Annette with Love. Annette is spelled A-N-N-E-T-T-E. Um, and so on Twitter, it's from Annette. On Instagram and Facebook, it's from Annette with Love. And then my community is Fat Girls Traveling. You can follow 
Fat Girls Traveling on Instagram at Fat Girls Traveling. <laughs> Perfect. I'm at Oh Hey There Mare. I'm at Lale Hannah. Uh, be sure to follow Women Who Travel on Instagram and subscribe to our newsletters. If you are thinking about doing this or have made the jump, please let Lale and I know. We are so curious to hear what you guys are up to. Um, so DM us on Instagram. We would love to hear about your potential jump to being a digital nomad. And we'll talk to you next week. Are you ever minding your own business when you start to wonder, how do killer whales work? Who are Hollywood's paparazzi? Did British sailors get it on in the 1800s with each other? I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week on Getting Curious, I sit down for a gorgeous conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. Honey, we explore everything around here with scientists, historians, activists, entertainers, and other brilliant guest experts. You can join me every Wednesday for an all-new topic with an all-new expert on Getting Curious. Listen to Getting Curious wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.